right, so back in the early 200s, I'm sure none of you know, remember that time, so um, back in the early 200s, there was a guy named Justin, and he was, um, wasn't a Christian, he was, uh, he was a uh, Platonist, uh, he followed Plato and a bunch of other different uh, philosophies, and he was walking on the beach one day, and uh, he met a Christian, and through the conversation, Justin became um, a Christian himself, and he be, was eventually known as Justin Martyr uh, because he was killed for his faith because he was an outspoken apologist. He, he actually wrote a, a letter um, about defending the Christian faith. And there's a lot of weird things that led to that moment where Justin just was happened to be on the beach that day. And there's a lot of, of those moments, I don't know if you've experienced those, where it's, it's weird that you just come to a moment and then it's, oh, it's like I was supposed to be here, right? And back in the 1930s, a guy named Joseph, he was a street sweeper out in Detroit. And he was going about his day just walking down the street and all of a sudden he was hit in the head. And he looked around to see what had hit him, and it was a toddler. A little boy had walked out of a four-story window and had fallen on Joseph. Now, everyone was okay. Joseph was fine. The child was fine. Everyone was okay. But the weird thing about the story is a year later, Joseph was again on the streets, this time doing his job, and another kid walked out of his window and fell on Justin, uh, Joseph. And so twice, Joseph was in the exact place that he needed to be. And it's like, oh, that's just happenstance, right? Yeah. Um, there's a great uh, country song by George Strait. It's called, um, oh, now I've just forgot. I saw God today. Oh, thank you, Chan. Um, I saw God today. Beautiful song about seeing God's fingerprints and all these different things. He goes outside. The story is about him, his child being born, and he sees this this flower out of the concrete, and he sees this other kid, and he just sees God. And it's these moments where God intervenes into the most mundane situations that, like, Joseph was just walking down the street and saved the child without even trying. You know, it was that person on the beach that just had a conversation with Justin. You know, it's these moments when in our lives when the mundane is exploded and the extraordinary happens. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be in looking at the first 20 verses again, and we're going through this, this, um, this Christmas season, and we're focusing on the moments that happened during that night that was going on on the very first Christmas. And so last week we talked about that the angels, they came down and they were singing the entrance music for God. That as Jesus is being born, you have the angels crying out praise to God. And they're doing this in front of the shepherds. And so we talked about that last week and how, if we could go back there. Who's up there? Is that Robert? Yeah, uh, yeah Robert. Hey, go back. There you go. Um, yeah, so last week we talked about this, the angels praising God and how it's, 
the, in the Bible, we only actually see three times that the angels praise, that they're actually singing. And we went through those passages. And one of them, it comes from Job, it comes from the 38th chapter, and it, it's about creation. And so the angels sing at creation. Then the other two times we see the angels singing back praises to God is in the incarnation, which that's the Christmas story. So it's at Jesus' birth that they're singing these praises. And then the last time we see them really singing the praises of God is about salvation. And so we see these three monumental occasions within the Bible that the angels come out to sing. And we have creation, which I think that's a pretty big event, would you say? Yeah? Are we in agreement? I think that's a pretty big event. And then we have Jesus, God, coming down and taking on human flesh. I think that's a pretty big moment in history. And then the salvation of the world that they sing. And so these moments are huge. And so when the angels show up in the Christmas story, we can say, this is an important moment. Because everything that they show up to is important. And when they start singing God's praises, it's, whoa, hey, calm down. Uh, that's just, the, we, we always throw that. That's intentional. We throw those in just to wake you up. Um, and so they only do that when a joke flat, is flat. Sure. That's what happens. So they're just watching you guys back there, and as soon as they see the nods, they throw that in there. So, but, but it, so we've been talking about these angels, right? And then we're going back into the Christmas story now, and we're going to read through the whole thing, these 20 verses, and then we're going to start talking about what the next part of our, our series is. So let's go to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Let's read it. In those days, Caesar Augustus is issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The first, this was the first census that took place while Canarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in the Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this, this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
And so you have this moment, right, where the angels come out and they start praising God in front of these shepherds. And we were talking about that we're focusing on three groups or three parts to this um, this passage, and we talked about the angels last week, and now we're going to talk about the shepherds. And I love the shepherds. They're probably my favorite part of the Christmas story because I can really relate to them the most. Now, I grew up in California, uh, uh, the rural area of California. Okay, now, you might be going, what, what's that, right? It's not like Wyoming rule. Okay, so if you're from Wyoming, it's not that kind of rule. Okay, we have people around us. All right. So, but in California, we lived up in the foothills in what, what's called Amador County, and there was farms and there was uh, ranches all around us. I love going there. In fact, me and my wife, we went there this past summer to kind of show our kids where I grew up because we always go to the, her home area, and it's just a big city. And so I'm like, let me show you what real, and in fact, um, it was funny because um, I let slip a howdy to someone. Like, howdy? Like, this past week, and my daughter goes, um, you, you can't say that. You're not from the country. <laughs> no, and this was the reason why she said it. You live in Quartzsite. I'm like, I don't, I don't think you know. I know you're right here. That's why I said it. So, but anyways, so and she's gone. <laughs> but, but the reality is, so, grew up in this country area. I'm going to... I'm going to take it when I get out of here. Uh, so, but, yeah. So, maybe that's a good thing. No, um, but no, um, so I grew up in the, in the country area, and you know you're from the country when you, when at night, like, you, you know the sounds of the country. You, you know the, the crickets and the, the bugs that just chirp away, and you hear the distant mooing. You know, you know that sound. Um, and when someone says the smells of the country, you know it. You know what the smells of the country are. You, you, and it was really hilarious. The first time we took our kids into the country, like just, and it wasn't really country, right? It was I, it was I five, and we were going. If you know the area up towards Lodi or just past Lodi, there is a, um, a cow farm that's out in there, and like, and to me it was like this is like home. You know, and my kids are like, what's that smell? It's so bad, right? Oh and it's like, because they're not used to you know, poop. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. And so, but this is, so, but these shepherds, I love this part of the, the story because these shepherds, they're, they're country folk. They're, you know, that saying they're salt of the earth type of people. Like that's what these shepherds are. They're, they're people that, they're rural people, they're country people. I just love it because I understand that type of person because I grew up with them. And so when I'm reading through it, I, I just love the shepherds. But some of the times when we're talking about the shepherds and actually... What I, I've done this too, is we talk about the shepherds and how the angels came out to them, and they're, they're the, you know, they're the Okies, right? They're out there, and so here comes God, His magnificence, and who does He come to invite? The Okies. Yeah, the rednecks. Yeah, 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 see, yeah, see? I, I love you guys. Oh, but, so, He invites the shepherds, but you know what's really interesting about these shepherds? They're not just your typical type of shepherds. They're Bethlehem shepherds. And what's interesting about these shepherds is just a few miles down the road, you have Jerusalem. 
And in Jerusalem, the big city, right, you have the temple of God. And every day, well, almost every single day, sacrifices are going on in the temple. And there's a lot. And I want to put that into perspective for you, okay? So these sheep that they're dealing with, these are sacrificial sheep. These are sheep that as they're, they're, for, they're for the wool, they're for the milk, they're for the, food, the meat, and they're to go up to Bethlehem to be sacrificed. Now, I want to share with you guys this. In the Talmud, it's a collection of rabbinic writings, there is a story about King Herod Agrippa who asked the high priest one time, for one day, he wanted all of the, the sacrifices to be counted. And so what they did was they took a kidney from each animal and they counted how many kidneys that they sacrificed, or how many animals they sacrificed by counting the kidneys, okay? And on one particular day, and they did this so they could take kind of a census, like an impromptu census, one day they said they recorded 1.2 million animals slaughtered that day. Now, you, like, how is that even possible? Maybe that's an exaggeration, but this is what they recorded. 1.2 million animals being sacrificed that day. Let's, so let's kind of do more conservative, right? Let's say, let's slash that in a, in a quarter. Let's take three quarters away. That's still 400,000 animals being slaughtered. That's a lot of animals. So these shepherds, in fact, I'll tell you this. So in that region, these shepherds understood that a lot of their animals are going to go up to Bethlehem to be killed. In fact, they found um, archaeological evidence that shows bones that were from India from some of these animals. That's how much, how, how many animals they had to go. They started having to reaching out to these far-off lands to bring in the animals needed for the sacrifices. That's a lot of animals to be sacrificed. And so these shepherds understood their role in their society. They were preparing these sheep to not only be taking care of them, but also to be sacrificed, to go up to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. And I just, it's just crazy to me that these are the people, these are the ones that God says, I want to invite them. Because they understood what it means to have a sacrifice lamb. And it's really important for us to understand that because the sacrifice, Jesus as the Lamb of God, is a huge theme throughout the Scriptures. And I want to bring you to Genesis chapter 2. Sorry, I keep saying that. Genesis chapter 22, verses 6 through 8. Because this is, I think, a prophetic moment that, was, that the people involved didn't under, maybe didn't understand that it was a prophetic moment. This is just an interaction between Abraham and his son Isaac. And God had said to Abraham, I want you to go and I want, to sac I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me. That's a huge thing. Yeah. So I want to give you this, this interaction they have. It says, starting in verse 6 of chapter 22 of Genesis, it says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Now at this point, he's just loading Isaac up with the wood to carry it. And it says, and he himself carried fire and, and, and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. 
The fire, and our, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's a good question. It says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, you keep reading through the story. It tells that Abraham bounds, binds um, Isaac. They sets up the wood. He puts Isaac on there. And as he's coming down with the knife, the angel stops him. And he points him to a ram that's caught in a thicket. But at this moment, you have this, this father and son. And this son is everything to this father. This son is the promised child that God himself said, I will give you him. And through this, make you a great nation. This child is huge. And God says, sacrifice him. Bring him before me and sacrifice him. And so, you have this moment where Abraham says, God will provide the sacrifice. And then when we fast forward, we get to Luke. And here's Jesus. Now if we go to John, John chapter 1, verse 29, you get this. John the Baptist, he's out there and he's baptizing people and it says this in verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that prophetic moment of Abraham and Isaac is this understanding that God says, okay, Abraham, let's see if you care. Sacrifice your son. And Abraham says, here it is. And we find out later in Scripture that it says that Abraham knew some, God had to do something. That either he had to provide a different sacrifice in place of Isaac, or he had to raise Isaac. Because that child was a, was a promised child. And so Isaac did it. And so it is the prophetic moment of a parallel of God the Father saying, I'm going to give the Son. And He is the Lamb of God. And then... We talked last week about the praises of the angels in Revelation 5. And in Revelation 5, you have these angels singing the praises. And we talked about how this is the salvation song of the angels. Well, listen to who they're singing about. It says in verse 12 of chapter 5, it says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The angels are singing about the praise of the slain lamb. And then, as a response, it talks about the, all the creatures in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea. And it says their response is this, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And so this idea of the Lamb, of Jesus being the Lamb of God, being the sacrificial Lamb, when those shepherds are being invited, they're being invited to the pure and spotless Lamb of God. They know sacrifice. They understand it. In fact, they have to take care of it. How many of you um, have helped birth animals? You know what it's like, right? 
You know what it's like to have that animal, and you watch them. If you've had a child, you watch them come up, and they're, they're weak and they're failing. You're like, I want to make sure this, this, this animal or this child grows, right? And so you're out there. We had a chicken not too long ago. We got, we've had chickens before, and then we had, got some more this past um, spring. And they were, I don't, I'll tell you right now, I hate chickens. Okay, um, I, I like eating chicken. They have to be done right for me to actually care to eat them. Um, I like chicken wings. Um, anyways, um, but so we got these chickens, right? And they're all small and they're all, and so one of them gets sick. And so what is a good dad, okay? Very good dad here. I go spend 20 bucks on this $4 chicken, and I get a shot for it, okay, I take it to Blythe, we get in, I mean, we rush there, like, it's like a Friday night or something, we rush there, get that marvelous chicken, um, a shot, and the, the, we walk in, and it's my, my youngest daughter's, it's her chicken, so this, you know, and so we walk in, and she's holding it, and I'm very upset. And the, the, the vet's like, are we doing this? Like, are we actually trying to save this, this thing? And he's like, so he pumps her full of something, probably water. Um, and he's like, this thing is, is feathers and lung. Like, that's all there is to this thing. And he's like, if it makes it, it makes it. And so we carry that chicken back to health, okay? And then it's buddy dies like two days later <laughs> and then it dies like a month later I don't know. yeah yeah so but it was like trying to make sure this this baby chick lived and it's really interesting the way God sets up the sacrifice of lambs that the Jewish people had to bring them into their houses and live with that thing and then had to sacrifice it because the the understanding of the consequences of our sin is huge. And to know that, our, that in the Old Testament that our sin is being put onto this, this innocent creature, these shepherds understood what sacrifice was. They were out with those things all the time. And they knew the destination of them. They're going to be slaughtered. And here they are being invited to see the sacrifice for the world. It's a huge moment for them that we can't just gloss over. You know, they're smelly, they're stinky, and they're coming in. And there's more, it would seem more important people in the Christmas story, right? Mary and Joseph. Well, you kind of need Mary, right? Pretty important. Joseph's a good guy, right? He's an important person. You have the angels, pretty important. You know, we talked about them last week. You have the wise men. We want to go into the whole story. We got the wise men. They're pretty important people, rich, you know, come with really great gifts. And then you have the shepherds. It's like, well, why are they there? Well, because salt of the earth people are being brought in because they understand what sacrifice meant. They understand it. And so... This whole idea that Jesus is our lamb is really, really important in the Christmas story. 
and we can't gloss over that. But see, this is something I think that we can forget sometimes is that, especially right now with our society, you know, our society right now is, um, to put it mildly, nuts. Okay? Um, we have a lot of things, and wherever the future of our nation goes, that's where it's going to go. And a lot of times we can get into this idea that it's our leaders that need to direct us so that our world becomes better. And the reality is, is most of the people that want to be leaders, their, their focus is this world. And that's it. And what we need is ordinary people to step up and start pointing people back to God. I love the shepherds because they are just ordinary people. They're not kings. They're not Caesars. They're not governors. They're not princes. There's nothing about them except they understand what it means to have sacrifices, being, watching over it, and the, the pain and the, the process of the whole thing. And we as believers, we need to realize that this world is it's in chaos and there's so much there's so much loss of hope, so much hopelessness in this world right now. We have suicides are going up, domestic abuse is going up. People are failing constantly in trying to keep it all together and things are just falling apart. And where is hope? Christmas, the whole purpose of Christmas is Jesus coming to bring hope to the hopeless. This is the moment in the year where we should be able to say there is hope, but everywhere around us, there's not but you know what? God doesn't just use the kings and the princes and all them. He uses the ordinary folk to stand up and say, You're right. The simple to confound the wise. I'm not calling you all simple. <laughs> but seriously, if you trust in Jesus as your Savior, the hope of the world walks with you. He indwells in you. So, what are we supposed to do? We are called to point people back to Christ, who is the hope. So in this time, we have a great opportunity to point people right now to the hope that is in Christ. And so, that's my challenge for you this week. Is to go, and first and foremost is encounter Jesus as the lamb as a sacrificial lamb that little child is wrapped is God wrapped in human flesh and his whole purpose is to grow up to die on the cross that's his purpose that's why he came to bring us out of our own sin to have that sin put on him why because he loved us enough to do just that. And so if we trust in Jesus as our Savior, as our sacrificial substitutionary sacrifice for our sin, 
What are we going to do about that? Is Christmas just going to pass and people are going to continue in hopelessness that are around us? Or are we going to say, hey, I know the world's crazy. That's why Jesus came. Because this world is dying. And Jesus is the only way. But we need to get right with God. We have sinned. We have fallen short. We have done the things that God says not to do. We have rebelled against Him. However you want to say it, we are far from God. And Jesus came so that we would have our sin taken away. That peace would be restored. That we would come into right relationship with God. And as Christians, we need to point people to that. Because there's hope. There's hope in this hopeless world. But it's only found in Christ alone. And so my challenge for you is to, to encounter Jesus as the Lamb of God and then share that hope with someone in your life that does not have it. Whether that be talking to them or writing. How many of you guys send out Christmas cards? Okay, So some people still do. Or Christmas text. That's what I do. Um, share the hope of Christ through it. If you know someone that's struggling right now, share the hope of Christ that's only found through Him. And as we're marching towards Christmas, we can say that day represents the moment God came to us. The moment, and what's crazy is this, is all these lambs were humans bringing them to God. And Christmas is God bringing the lamb to us. And so we need to point people to the lamb that was brought to us, that was sacrificed for us, so that we could have hope restored in a right relationship with him. And so that's my challenge for you this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you do for us, for the very act of sending your Son as a sacrifice for us. Lord, I thank you so much. Jesus, I thank you so much that you, you loved us enough to be willing to go through everything. We know at least a little bit about what it means to go through the harshness of this world. Lord, you went through that and then so much more on the cross. I thank you so much. Spirit, I pray for our people. I pray for everyone in this room. I pray for your church worldwide that we would step up this Christmas and that we would point people back to the hope, especially right now in hopelessness. And when people are hurting and they're losing jobs or they're losing loved ones and, and everything's just a, a constant bad day, Lord, help us to point to you who is our hope. And that people would come to you and accept you as Savior and that they would move forward in trust and in right relationship with you. Father, I thank you so much that we get to meet and we get to praise you. Help us to continue to praise you uh, through our worship, through our offering, everything. And Father, we thank you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. <laughs>